Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. It's your host, Jay Dub. I'm here to talk about week one. What did we learn? What are some ahas? Just talk about some teams, but mostly players. So I'm excited to get this on the next side. Stick around. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. What a week one. So much action. You saw a couple Super Bowl contenders look great and establish themselves. I'm sure there's a lot of partying going on in the Big D. But the Cowboys just whooping the New York Giants. I didn't watch that game. I saw some of the clips, saw the stats. I, it looked like it was pouring rain, so bad conditions. And a lot of things went wrong for the Giants with two pick sixes. That's a, the Cowboys. 49ers. That game I did watch, saw a replay. I have to say, the 49ers looked very impressive going into Pittsburgh. Conditions were fine. Pittsburgh didn't have any atrocious turnovers or bad plays. The Niners just, quite frankly, looked really good on both sides of the ball. I'll talk more about that as we get into it. Just watched the first half of the Monday night game. What a bummer if Aaron Rodgers has got a real injury. I was really excited to see the Rodgers show in New York Jets. Brees Hall looked good in the first half. Cook adds a nice little element to their team. But they're going nowhere with Zach Wilson as their starter. He's talented, but he's raw. He's not ready. Let's hope for, for Rodgers to get healthy. Okay, I want to go through a couple games here and just talk about some of the things we learned and what things we maybe didn't learn. It's going to be a quick one. Just me. Not a lot of fluff. So let's dig right in. I'll start with the Niners. Obviously, impressive win. I just mentioned that. Defense was lights out. MVP of the training camp, Brandon Ayuk. It carried over. Got, got the momentum going into the season. Roughly a 30-point fantasy opening week, depending on whether you're half point, full point. Just a, an incredible pancake block on CMC's 66-yard TD run. He's going to be talked up this week. It looked like it's sustainable. Clearly, Purdy was thrown to him. He had the most targets in this game with eight and, and had eight catches. Debo was second with seven. Debo looked good too. They got him in space. Got him. He got a. He got a carry on a reverse. Kittle had six targets. An okay game. You could tell he was laboring a little bit. He had a, a crucial fourth down conversion on the first drive of the game. And CMC had five carries. So what did we learn? I I don't know if it's not those four guys. Probably not a lot of additional targets to go around. On the ground, CMC carried uh, the predominant share of carries, although Elijah Mitchell definitely took on more, and particularly down the end as they were trying to salt the game away. So it looked like this, those four guys, and outside of that, you really don't want to have anyone on this roster. Again, maybe Elijah Mitchell. He's clearly the CMC hand, hand what do you call it? Backup, handcuff is the word I was looking for. And he's good in his own right. Didn't have any big carries this week. So in, in deeper leagues, you definitely want Elijah Mitchell. Let's Next one, let's go to the Ravens. They look like they always have. There was a lot of talk this uh, offseason about offensive coordinator Todd Monken coming in. He's going to open it up. They're going to throw a ton. And I did see, when watching a bunch of this game, I did see them open it up a little bit. I saw them making more quick strike throws to receivers in space. Zay Flowers looks like the real deal. Had a, a ton of touches and just looked very dynamic in the open field. So a really nice mix to extend not just vertically, but horizontally, the defense, which I think has been one of their challenges with in recent years. With Lamar, he's not great on the 
you can really pack it into the box, put eight in the box, nine in the box, go one on the outside and then drop safeties and linebackers end up clog up the middle of the field. And they didn't have the guys on the outside to win anyways deep. That's a nice little wrinkle, but this team still ran the ball. And bad, big news here with J.K. Dobbins tearing his Achilles heel. Uh, on paper, this looked bad. Dobbins has been healthy for less than 12 games of the past three years. He missed all of 21. He's going to miss all of 23. And he only played in eight games last year. So he's not played a lot of games. In fact, he's only started at nine games, I think, in his total career, which was eight last year and won his rookie year and never played more than eight games in a season, except for his rookie year when he played in 15. It's not like they're not used to this. My guess is the team will run a committee based on with Justin Hill and Gus Edwards. It looked like Gus Edwards was leaned on a little bit more heavily once they knew that the Dobbins was out. And in fact, Justice Hill was getting a few touches in the first half when Dobbins was still there. Once Dobbins went out, Edwards became the primary guy and was much more productive. One thing to note, Edwards has never carried or never averaged less than five yards of carry. So between the tackles, kind of goal line, short yardage, I would expect it would be Edwards. That said, Hill got two two-yard touchdown runs yesterday. So who knows? It's anything, anyone's game. Likely, they've already announced in the media they're going to call up Melvin Gordon from the practice squad. So he gives a nice veteran presence. But my guess, given the history in the with the team, with both Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, and the historical production that Edwards has had, still in his prime, good reports out of camp. Look for both those guys to get touches. Neither of them are going to be a top 15 fantasy back unless this Ravens offense really blossoms, but I don't see it. I think they're going to be a good offense. It's still going to be Lamar, some Mark Andrews, some guys on the outside. Um, Zay Flowers is going to pick up some slack. So overall, interesting team. Bummer news on J.K. Dobbins. If you've got them in any format, unless it's like Dynasty and you're going to keep them, you can drop them. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans. I just want to call these guys out. They lost, but the running back rotation was a real big surprise. So Spears outsnapped Henry by my count, 34 to 30, and was the clear third down back. He was on 12, 12 snaps on third down alone. In a normal game script where the Titans are leading, Henry likely would have outsnapped Spears, Spears and also Henry got a ton more touches on the ground and look good, by the way. It looks very good, looks in shape. But Spears is clearly part of their core offensive rotation. They threw to him a bunch. He missed a couple big plays. I, I saw, I think, all of them. One of them was a bad throw. One of them was a pretty tough catch, but Spears should have made it. And then a cut, one was a terrible, terrible, tough catch. And then he had one catch for short gain, but he should be owned in every format. And I think him and Henry are going to be a pretty dynamic duel. Henry looked good, by the way. Looks lean, looks in shape. Just caught there. I didn't see any receivers. They, they had Traylon Burks had a, a nice reverse. Tannehill just looked off. Uh, Hopkins, they threw him a bunch. Marshawn Lattimore, though, really had him blanketed. So they it was tough for the Titans to get much going and they lost as a result. So Interesting there. Let's go to the, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to talk running back here. This was a big quagmire in preseason. We didn't know, was it going to be a little penny? Was it going to be DeAndre Swift? He probably has the most uh, draft capital and quite frankly, experience and success in the NFL to date. Or is it going to be Kenneth Gainwell? Or is it going to be someone else? Boston Scott, who knows? I think we got our answer. And it was surprising. Gainwell had 18 touches versus three for Swift, two for Scott, and zero for Penny. Penny did not dress, and he was really productive. And he outsnapped him. I think he had 48 of the 64 total snaps. So he was the dominant running back in across the board. 
My gut says we're going to hear from all these guys this season. I just think the Eagles are going to rotate guys based on health and and situation, which back is a little bit more advantage in a particular game. I think it's safe to, to drop Scott, maybe even Penny now, but maybe not. I don't know. Penny's proven he's decent and you just don't know. And this offense is very good. That said, they got off to a slow start. I think the Patriots defense was really, really, or is really good. So don't read too much into the fact the Eagles couldn't move the ball as well. They had a couple bad turnovers that took away scoring opportunities. Uh, so just put that, take that with a grain of salt. I'm going to go to the Rams now. They won. Surprising. I think it was one of the shocking kind of quote unquote upsets. They won on the road at Seattle. Seattle's a team that, that should have taken care of business. It was a much better team. I think quite frankly on talent, on paper, they are. Rams on offense. Let's just focus there. They were a little bit, It's a. it was a Matthew Stafford classic. He played well. He was hitting guys, his receivers downfield. He was consistently staying vertical under this horizontal screen stuff. In fact, that's one of the things he doesn't really look to his running back. So I'll get to that in a second. Van Jefferson, I just, I don't think he's a competent receiver. He dropped a huge wide open play, a, a catch you've got to make in the, in the NFL. And just overall was like, huh, hum. I think he had an okay game. Uh, but the the big play here was Puka Nakua. I, I think I'm pronouncing that. He looked very good. He was a featured guy. He was soaking up and catching everything thrown his way. Really good game. And then also Tutu Atwell had a really nice game. Got behind the defense a couple of times, made some big plays, made the catches when he need to. He's just so undersized. I don't think he's a regular. Maybe at best he's a flex guy. But let's talk about the running back position. We didn't really know what to expect, but everyone had assumed it was Cam Akers. No, no question. But it looks like it was going to be Kyron Williams. I would say maybe he's in a full rotation, but I would say Williams has the upper hand. And here's why. Williams dominated the short yardage and third down snaps. He had two short yardage touchdowns and one of them really moved the pile, looked great driving forth and having success on it. The other one was just a nice kind of short yardage, ran through a guy. Uh, and he had another opportunity on kind of a bad busted play. And then next next play was a, a throw. And then on fourth down, they brought in Akers and did a misdirection play. So Akers got a one-yard touchdown. But that was his only play, I think, within the 10-yard line. And the Rams were there all day long. It was an interesting play. So anyhow, on the total slaps, Kyron Williams was in on 53 snaps for only 29 for Akers. And like I said, he was 100% on the third down and most of the short yardage, including in the middle of the field when they needed a third and one, third and two. But a note on the third down roll here, Stafford just is consistently, he's a vertical thrower. He's looking down for 10, 15, 20 yard chunks. A bunch of times I saw I saw even Akers on a couple pass routes when he went out on a first or second down when he was in and Kyrene Williams being wide open in the flats, easy four, five, six yard gain, easy pick up, uh, hit the sticks, get a first down. Stafford wasn't even looking out there. He was throwing down to the tight ends, the wide receivers, 10, 15 yards down the field. So I'm not sure how much the third down roll, as long as Stafford's healthy, is going to be valuable in the Rams. For note, Williams had two catch, two targets, but no catches. And Akers had a target, but no catch. So ultimately, I would say Tyreen Williams going into week two is a kind of wait and see, pick him up on your waiver wire because he could be the running back one there. But he's going to have a tough sledding in week two versus the 49ers. Even though it's a home game, it's going to be a tough game. But I like Kyron Williams. He looked good. Cam Akers did not look good. By the way, he had 22 carries in this game, far more than Kyron Williams. Uh, Kyron Williams only had, I believe, 14. 
but about eight of those carries were after the game was pretty much on lock and they were just trying to run out the clock. And on those 22 carries, he had 29 yards. So really inefficient. Cam Akers just, he didn't look like he had an explosion and he burst, wasn't getting the tough yards. Kyron Williams wasn't incredibly better. I think he had 14 carries for 40, 54 yards. So not incredibly efficient, but much more efficient. You could see he was moving piles, getting the yards he needed to get. Last game I'll talk about is Cowboys Giants. I don't know if the Giants are are terrible or the Cowboys are a championship favorite and world beater. I tend to think there's probably a regression to the mean for both. The Giants aren't that bad. And if you remove the two pick sixes and they find some rhythm, it's probably still a loss, but not this extreme. The Giants just need to find some chemistry. I still am blown away at their receiver core. Who is their most talented receiver? Is it Paris Campbell, second round pick from a couple of years ago? Very talented guy at Ohio State, just was never in a good position in rotating quarterback and OCs and the Colts. Is it Isaac Hodgins, who's come out of came out of nowhere last year? Didn't look that special. Is it kind of perennial journeyman Darius Slayton? I know it's not Sterling Shepard, who at one time probably was pretty good, came out of uh, LSU, looked good. But at this point, he's over the hill and just really hasn't taken the next step. Maybe it's Jalen Hyatt, this year's third round pick out of Tennessee. I don't know, but it's clear they need to figure that out. They need to get some rhythm. And I don't think they're as bad as you saw last night, but we'll, we'll know pretty quickly. As for the Cowboys, they look great. Defense looked awesome. I don't know what we learned last night, though. It was pouring rain. They got the early breaks, and the game was completely out of hand at that point. I would say, though, on offense, what I like to see there was they didn't seem to miss Kellen Moore much. They were pretty efficient. They didn't move the ball terribly well, but they didn't have to with all the turnovers and the weather conditions. Tony Pollard, though, really stood out to me. He had an efficient, highly efficient two TD outing, uh, both short end scores he wouldn't have gotten in the past. He could be in for a really big season. I like seeing that. What other call-outs I would have? I was interested in the Atlanta breakdown. I don't know if Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson are this productive all year long. I would tend to say be careful there. Carolina may be one of the kind of weaker teams in the league, so don't immediately jump to conclusions. Bears, you're going to hear a lot of Roshan Johnson talk this week. He had more snaps. He outsnapped Herbert and Foreman. They're all in the same mix. That said, until the game was out of hand, basically late third quarter, early fourth quarter, when the Green Bay really put it to him and and built a huge lead, he wasn't playing much. And then most of his productivity in terms of touches, both uh, most of his catches, and in fact, I think all but one of his catches and most of his carries were after the game was out of hand. And at a point, Herbert and Foreman didn't play much at all. So not sure what to read into that. Not a great performance by Chicago. Fields looked terrible. So who knows? The other one I'd call out, uh, Chargers, man. Are they snake bitten or what? What a terrible way to lose another game. Uh, but Eckler and Kelly looked great. And I think the one thing I'd call out, maybe it was a game script and situation, but they ran the ball really well against Miami. They had uh, Eckler had over 100 yards. Kelly had 90 yards. Both of them had TDs. Really impressive game. Ton of touches for both. In fact, Eckler had 41 offensive snaps. Kelly had 34, kind of mixed across the board. They're really, they played them interchangeably. So Kelly is someone you definitely want to own. He's a strong flex start, I think, in, in most situations. You want to watch like who they're playing. What are the other ones? Antonio Gibson. He had a fumble early on. He still played though. It's not Rex, or sorry, it's not like Ron Rivera pulled him and didn't play him. He still played, but he was clearly not 
in a sort of share situation I think everyone predicted. Brian Robinson had 38 total offensive snaps to Antonio Gibson's 24. Robinson had 18 pass snaps to Gibson's 21. Overall, it was uh, pretty pretty one-sided too. Robinson had most of the the carries on the day. Chris Rob Chris Rodriguez actually their rookie late round pick had three carries. So there was there was a, he actually had more than Gibson. And Robinson had two targets, one catch and a TD through the air. So already more catches uh, and TDs actually more TDs through the air. Um, than anyone expected this season. I, I'm not sure what you can take away. Again, they were playing Arizona. Uh, maybe Arizona got up for this game. And it was a tough game. Um, but I think at this point, Gibson's probably a guy that you don't need to start without a doubt. And, and I think in pretty shallow leagues, you probably cut him. And Brian Robinson looks like he's going to get a lot more touches and playing time and maybe the true number one there. But he's still probably a running back three in most leagues, maybe RB2 in really deep leagues. So anyhow, overall, that's just the quick musings from the weekend. A lot of other storylines. Look, Tyreek Hill, is there a better receiver in the NFL? I actually don't think there is. I think he he may be this generation's Jerry Rice. He's just so special. He can get open. Any situation, he can, he can catch contested balls. He can create space. He's so dynamic, so much fun to watch. He effectively single-handedly made that game. Tua made some nice throws, but Tyreek was consistently making big plays down the field. So really impressive stuff. On that note, I'm excited for week two. Hoping Aaron Rodgers is healthy. We don't have any major uh, injuries to talk about. And I wish you all a great week in your fantasy leagues. On that note, I appreciate your time. Again, if you enjoy it, this podcast, please subscribe continue to listen, give us a positive review. We live off that. On that note, have a great day and thank you. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up.